engagement is usually highest at the start of the meeting and then it wanes as the meeting goes on. We've all, we've all been there. And if it doesn't continue to engage you in some way, actively or passively, you are tapped out. You're multitasking in the background. You don't feel emotionally connected, whatever it is. So there has to be this, like a wave. If I could draw an image, it would be like a wave. And the top of the crest is the highest level of engagement that comes from some change. So change in speaker, change in screen share to not screen share, change in I'm asking a question of the entire group and everybody's answering, either coming off mute and answering or heading to the chat box and answering. And so you've got to create that. Welcome to the Invest Local Podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Well, welcome folks to the Invest Local Podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm McDonald, and joining me today is Mickey Lazic, and she wears a lot of different hats. I won't try to, uh, to give <laughs> all of them. I'll, I'll let her share um, her, her many, um, many lines of business, but um, she's going to be sharing a lot about um, small businesses and, and how she helps teams kind of think through uh, their communication um, and leadership, and, and um, particularly around some, um, some meetings, which I know everyone loves meetings. So we're going to get the, we're going to get the, the fun side of, of meetings today, hopefully with, with Mickey. So thank you for joining me, Mickey, and, and would love to, to, to hear a little bit about what you're doing. Sure. Uh, yes, this is always the fun part where to start. I, well, I'll start with, I think how we got connected, which was through Women Entrepreneurs Inc. Started in Charleston. So the first chapter was We of C, Women Entrepreneurs of Charleston. Yeah. And now has branched out to many different cities. There's Atlanta, there's Raleigh, Durham, there's Charlotte, and we've got our sites on a couple other places as well. So that I met Melissa, who is the founder, CEO of We Inc. I met her because she came to a training that I did through Own the Room, which is a company that I'm contracted with really large company, global organization, and I do communication training and sales training through them. So she came to one of my trainings and we just decided that we had to be friends and we had to collaborate. That's how we met. And then somewhere in the mix of all of that, I started my own company called MK Metrics, which my role there is very similar to my role with Own the Room. I'm a corporate trainer, communication training, sales training, leadership training, and, but I just had to branch out on my own because entrepreneurship runs in my blood. My parents are all business owners, so I just couldn't not own my own business. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no. And that's what um, I, I'm really curious about that kind of, you know, you're, you're in the corporate realm with your, you know, kind of your main, main gig, so to speak, or, or at least where you started. Um, how did you transition or, you know, you get, like you said, you got entrepreneurship in your blood, but what made you say like, all right, I want to go and take the skill set and try to, you know, basically carve out a, a, a thing on my own. Yeah. It was probably a couple different things. Well, one is, is the most obvious, right? Flexibility. I think that instantly comes to mind for most people. It doesn't mean it's going to be easier to do your own thing, start your own business. It's definitely not easier, but there's a flexibility component that it makes a big difference. And if you're going to, if you're going to dare do that undertaking, 
The other thing for me was Own the Room has always been communication and sales centric, but my background is actually in leadership training. And so one of the things that starting my own business allowed me to do was get really granular with leadership, with culture, with vision, core values, things that I could separate from coaching individuals or teams or businesses, but I needed to do it through my own lens. And so this was very much a place where I could do that well and more thoroughly than I was able to do it as a contractor for own the room. Yeah. I, those are probably the two biggest things that came up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with MK metrics, uh, the, my, my first question may be an obvious one, but um, what is the metrics behind MK metrics and, and, and what are you trying to, to help teams and, and companies measure? Yeah, you're, you're probably not going to like my answer. My, <laughs> I need to do a better job of this. If, I, if I'm being honest, I need to do a better job of this. What it originally started as was a vision of taking things that aren't usually measured. We talk about happiness metrics a lot, and there's a lot of metrics around happiness. What there weren't as many metrics for in my mind were like efficiency metrics as it related to, to people. And that can, that can sound really cold and I never wanted it to sound cold or stiff because you have to be careful when you're measuring people, so to speak. So that was the original vision. And then what I'm really helping people put, I should say tactics more than metrics at this point, it's evolved, hmm. right? Like permission to evolve. And what it's yes. evolved into <laughs> is if not a metric, then what? And it's, it's tactics. It's like taking strategy and boiling it down into literal things that are repeatable. So as scientific as I can make something like leadership or as scientific as I can make something like your employee happiness, all of that. Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. <laughs> and which actually kind of leads me to my next question, which is, is how do, you know, if I'm going into a scenario where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting Mickey on board and I'm, and I'm hiring, what happens with a leader to kind of, or an executive to, to say, hey, I need this. I need something different. Like, where does that kind of, you know, is it an event or a stage of the, of the business um, that happens? That's like, okay, I need, I need a Mickey. And then out of that, you know, obviously the, the benefits kind of come. Yeah. The short answer to your question is if you are communicating daily, then I can help that. I mean, that is as trite as it sounds. Communication is the funniest thing to me. I mean, the paradox that I've always found so ironic is we are communicating every day, multiple times a day. And most of us have never been trained on it. But yet we're miraculously, we're supposed to have figured it out. Like we're supposed to be right. good at it and we're supposed to be compelling. And some people are more naturally like that, right? But we're all doing it. And so that is, you know, it's not a hard sell, but that's the point where usually if I can get people in a room and I can give you 30 minutes of a workshop, let's say like a demo or a lunch and learn, people immediately go, oh, well, I have a lot of room to play here <laughs> as, as it relates yeah. to their, their communication. But really what usually ends up happening is when I sit down and start talking to people about the point where their brand meets their culture. So for, to give you a concrete example, a client I'm working with right now, they hired us to help with their sales program. They were growing really quickly. They knew there was things that they were doing that were working well. And they also wanted to be mindful, which was really key. And I was impressed with both of their founders, really mindful that as they grew, 
they didn't lose some of that because it's really quickly to start moving fast and you start making mistakes and you realize what worked in the past doesn't work now. Yeah. And so in that process of us helping them craft better discovery meetings, better pitches, better open-ended questions that they could use to drive things forward. They also realized that their sales campaign, like the actual emails that they were sending out, the branding was off. The language was off. They were coming. I mean, quite frankly, they wouldn't mind me telling you this. They were coming off as like total jerks, Wow. but that's not who they were. Once you got them face to face, I mean, these people are in it with you. They're in the trenches. That was not their brand at all. And so that led to, well, let's rewrite their sales campaign. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I love communication. So I was a communication studies major in college. Oh, you and were? So, yeah, so a lot of this is like kind of bringing up old, <laughs> old memories of like, you know, everybody, like you said, everyone communicates. Um, and yeah. so, uh, but, but most, most people aren't actually trained in that. And there's so many, I mean, you know, you've got classical kind of rhetoric communication um, and then you've got, you know, interpersonal and, and team dynamics. So there, there's a lot of approaches, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's one of those things we don't, we don't realize, you know, everybody communicates um, and, and it's not a, I think people tend to think about communication and sales as, you know, either you, you got it or you don't, you know, it's, right. it's like the extroverts and the introverts. Um, and, you know, I've run sales teams in the past and half the people I've hired are introverts. Uh, they're not classically good, you know, uh, sell ice to an Eskimo type of people, but, you know, with the right training and, and the right coaching, um, you know, they, they turn into rock stars. So I love that, that it's, yeah. communication is a, is a universal tool and it's just, a, it's about how you use it, not, um, not necessarily what you're born with, so to speak. Well, that's also the biggest misconception, right? What you just said between introverts and extroverts, that extroverts somehow miraculously make better communicators. And oftentimes they don't, introverts do, because they're better at listening. Yes. And people <laughs> want to engage in conversation with them. And they yep. make excellent sellers. They need a little zhuzhing, of course, like we all do. But extroverts, I mean, we're talking in binaries here, Malcolm, but on a spectrum, if you had somebody that was really extroverted versus somebody who's really introverted, the extroverts want to make it all about them. They have a really hard time quieting. They have a really hard time building relationship. They think they're doing it because they're being gregarious and they're fun loving. And it's, it's really funny, but yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's nothing makes me happier than when I can get someone to a point where they understand Mickey, I said the same thing that this person said, but why did that person get listened to? And I didn't. And there's nothing that makes me happier than when we were able to identify that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's where, um, you know, one thing you said about kind of a company going through a growth transition where the style of communication may have to change. Right. Um, so I, what I'm really curious about, I know you've got experience, um, you know, on one side with, with, you know, really big kind of massive companies, you know, Delta, Facebook, et cetera. Um, but, you know, taking that and then transposing that against communication is a universal tool. Every, you know, a, a, a team of two communicates and, and has meetings. Correct. And so, so how do you, how have you kind of taken some of that really massive company technique? Um, are, are they just fundamentally different or, or can kind of small business with, you know, two to 20 people um, take, take things that, that are best practices for, you know, these corporate giants and, and really apply them? Or, or is there any overlap there? Oh, 100%. I think there's more overlap than less overlap. What becomes more nuanced, I guess you could say, if I, if I dig into your question a bit more, because it's actually kind of an interesting one, I've never thought about that directly. What becomes more nuanced, perhaps, is the culture again, because 
like for example a lot of the Facebook, a lot of the motivation, let's say, behind Facebook having communication training and sales training and even the leadership training that I've done with them is pure learning and development. What I mean is they very strongly believe in developing their teams at every level. So they, for example, they invest in their junior employees more than most other companies do. Like I won't necessarily meet with like a junior analyst at, you know, Deutsche Bank because Deutsche Bank's not really interested in investing in their junior analysts, sadly. Um, I wish I hadn't said that out loud because like, I shouldn't be quoted saying that, but that's not, that's not what they're up to doing, right? That their culture wants to invest more mid-level and high level where Facebook is very different in that way. And so I don't know, when I think about your question, it actually, to me, it again, tracks back to culture. So communication as it relates to the values of the company and what's even driving them to have the training, so to speak, the workshops, so to speak, in the first place. Yeah. Well, so that's interesting. So for Facebook, I'm, I'm curious as to, to why that is. I mean, with a, with a focus on more junior, what is, well, I guess, do they hand you an end goal and say, hey, we're doing junior training because we're trying to reach X or is it no. just, we're just, we're doing junior training and there's kind of, yeah, an iron curtain. They, it, it no, it, what it comes down to more with them and even with other companies, I mean, you can think of like the LinkedIn's, the Facebook's, a lot of tech companies that hire the millennial generation and younger they know, they know that if they don't invest in them, they're gone because that's, that's just where we are. It's not right. It's not wrong, but that is where we are. Yeah. And so the investing is very much a benefit that both parties benefit from. And they know that if they invest in them now, not only do they get retention, but they also get a better quality employee in the future. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And it's so almost, almost a function of their business model. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that it, and it serves them really well. So uh, for example, a, you, there's a, you know, you're doing project management for, for a, you know, a, a three person team um, mm -hmm. and you've got a weekly stand up. you know, Facebook, obviously tons of project management, tons of, of standups. Are, are there things that Facebook does in kind of a weekly project management stand up meeting that would be helpful for like I said, a, a three to five person team at a, at a small, you know, you know, either a, a physical product manufacturer or, you know, or a SaaS company. Yeah. And you're, are you using project management stand-up meetings as an example, right? You're just looking for like what's transferable from a small team to a large organization type of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'll answer with two ideas. The first is more mindset. The second is more strategy. So in the first, the thing that immediately came to mind for me with a smaller team, three people, you think, you think you have permission mm. to take longer. For example, a stand to use your example, a stand-up meeting is meant to be brief. It's short. It serves a really particular purpose. With a three-person team, people always operate outside the bounds of what a stand-up meeting or to use another example, a scrum like yeah. in scrum methodology, if you're familiar, what those meetings are designed for. And if you don't get those habits right now, growth becomes a lot harder from my lens. Mm. It becomes a lot more difficult to clean that stuff up later on. So that's a really specific scenario that we're talking about, but it's a good one because again, you think you can be a little bit lazy almost. Yep. 
So the, but the other thing that comes to mind is I think more what you're asking in terms of the actual strategy. So one example would be taking the time early on to get more voices than less voices contributing at every meeting. So that's one thing that I notice immediately when I do shadow, when I shadow meetings, one of the things that I can instantly tell is who's going to contribute and who's not and who's going to five to 10 minutes in, who's going to be the one that like consistently answers questions first, chimes in, has no fear interrupting, and who's going to end up being the wallflower just by nature of either the dynamic in the meeting. It's not necessarily personality. People are really quick to say that's introversion or extroversion, and it's, it rarely is that. Mm. There's usually a lot more at play. And so what you look for in those smaller groups, like those three to five person groups versus the 15 to 20 people groups, you look for that because it's, it's seedy. Like it's, it's really easy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean when I yeah. say seedy? Yep. It's such a weird word to use. <laughs> um, it's so it's, yeah, I feel like we're going off on tangents here because it's so, it's so interesting. It becomes really interesting to talk about, but it's making sure that even on those small person teams, you're taking the time to hear from everybody because if it's me and you and Kaysen and one other person, it's really easy for me to take your head nods. It's like, oh, Malcolm's on the same page as me. When you right. may not be, you might just be agreeing and saying, I literally hear you, Mickey, but I don't understand. And yeah. small teams have a really bad habit of not actually getting contribution. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I would think you would think it would be the opposite. Exactly. It's, well, the, right. <laughs> it's the big teams, but no, it's interesting. And, and part of this, I'll be honest, is self-serving, you know, we're in, in kind of, you know, small team startup mode ourselves. And this, this is the smallest team I think any of us have worked on in years. And so in, in a way we're, we're kind of backing into, you know, what does it look like to have a two person meeting or a three person meeting or a four person meeting um, and, and having to kind of unpack some of the, you know, wow, we've, we've been on the phone for the, for an hour, but we haven't, we haven't actually gotten to what we said. So it's right. really interesting that you say that, that, you know, going outside the bounds is a lot easier when there's less people, not more. Um, right. And so, so what do you, what do you recommend for, um, for, for teams that are, you know, wh whether it's small or big, like how do you go into it and create what type of structures, I guess, would you say, do you, do you give teams to say, here's how you, um, you know, either whether it's stay on track or hit a set of goals. I mean, do, are you kind of a, every meeting needs an agenda kind of, kind of <laughs> approach or how do you make that repeatable? <laughs> I actually hate agendas. They get, they get overused. And what I like are goals. I like, I like outcomes. Okay. Agendas are not outcomes. Again, this is yep. a misguided conception that we have of what an agenda does. We think that agendas keep us on track and sometimes they do. Sometimes agendas keep you on track to the detriment of what actually could be happening yeah. Yeah. in the meeting, mm -hmm. right? Like we've all sat through those meetings where somebody, you know, they've got this agenda and Malcolm asks a great question. They're like, Oh, but, 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 but the agenda. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's troublesome. Yeah. But then the other thing that happens is most of the time, do you get through the whole agenda? No. And so now you've overpromised and underdelivered. So I actually don't like agendas at all. I like outcomes. I like, I like shorter meetings. I tend to like burst meetings. Long meetings are really hard to do well. There's a purpose for them, like uh, design meetings. You need a long time, but they need to be broken up into what I call chapters. So each chapter has a, an opening and an ending. And if, if you don't get the opening right and you don't nail the ending, 
you haven't finished the chapter, you can't move on. Hmm. And so again, it's, it's hard for me to answer your question because it's like, it depends. It depends on what the, it depends on the type of meeting. So a lot of the work I do is in cleaning up meeting types. Strategy meetings are meant to have a really different outcome than a design meeting again, but they get mixed. And a lot of the reason they get mixed is because there's an agenda and the agenda wasn't correct. The agenda wasn't driving towards the outcome that that meeting was designed to have or the wrong people are in the meeting or the right people are in the meeting, but they have the wrong lens on. Meaning if you've got a, well, again, to go back to your example, you've got a project manager or better yet, a product developer in a design meeting, their tendency, they're really good in the beginning at big picture, blue sky design from nothing, but their tendency is going to, as soon as they latch onto something that they like, their tendency is going to start to be to drive for, okay, but how do we get there? How do we do it? Oh, you know, which problems are going to come up and you can't let them do that. Not yet. Cause it's still a design meeting. It's not strategy focused. Yeah. And that's also really hard. And so now you get into, well, how does the leader of the meeting cultivate a space where they get to stay, but they have to constantly take that lens off. Mm. And so whose job is it? Is it their job or is it the, the manager of the meetings job? Well, it depends on the culture of the company. <laughs> it becomes like the circuit. Do you no, see what it's, a, it's so interesting. Yes, it really is, and it, and it makes sense why you know uh, why people hate meetings because meetings right. are so nuanced and and so um, so layered and and yeah, I feel like we're just like scratching the surface on it, um, which is yeah, it's so interesting. Um, and and so now I feel like all my questions are like way too high level. <laughs> this is this cool. is this is like a yeah. series or something, but. But I mean, okay. who knew? Who knew that meetings were this deep? Right. This is why I love what I do. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you, if, if nobody else understands, you, you seem like you've got a good grip on it. But so if I can, if I can drag you back out of the weeds for a second yeah. and, and think, think high level, um, is, there, is there kind of a secret sauce between balancing, you know, um, and enough meetings to keep people informed, keep people on track, cover what you need to. And then, um, not so much that, that again, you don't, you don't get the, you know, the actual work, um, is, is what people like to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't get any work done because I have too many meetings. Like when you yeah. come in to, to an organization, is there kind of like a baseline, like you, you can look at it and say, Hey, you're, you're having too many meetings or your meetings are too long. Like, is there kind of a rubric that you can, you can, you know, start with to figure out, you know, what, what should be a meeting, what shouldn't? Yeah, I haven't, I can't say that I've created something that's like a template for that because again, it's so specific to the company. Yeah. What I do encourage is ask, like it's usually it's rare that I've come into a client and I've said, when's the last time you asked your team to rate or rank, so to speak, the meetings that they're, they think they have to attend in terms of importance and efficiency and, benefit. Most of the time people haven't, they think they have a sense of it again, because people show up and they contribute. And so they're using that as a measure of success. When really, one of the things that makes me the saddest is people that, you know, they sign out of a zoom meeting, or they hang up off Skype or jump off teams, and it's they have to get up and walk around, because it was that bad. And so to answer your question, the asking your team, 
is a big one. Mm -hmm. If you can't summarize it in an email, if you can't summarize, and I mean in a short paragraph, three to five sentences, if you can't summarize the purpose of a meeting or the outcome that a meeting generated, then it, something's off. And I think, you know, I know companies that have taken certain stances like no meeting Fridays or nine to, I work with a client right now that nine to 10 a.m. every day, you can't have, you can't have meetings from nine to 10 or from two to three. Mm. It works for some people. It doesn't work for others. So again, I feel like I'm doing a horrible job answering your question because it's, it is really specific, but I think asking your team and I think checking in to make sure that you can very clearly define the purpose of a meeting and you can measure, so to speak, the outcome of a meeting in a tangible sticky way. Like what did that meeting generate yeah. or produce or give you that you didn't have before? And sometimes, honestly, sometimes Malcolm, it's just bonding. Like that's okay too. It's just time in front of each other. That's important. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I think, um, man, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I've thought that with, with, with our meetings, because we're, we're almost a fully remote team. And so, you know, I, I have a hard time getting, you know, too, too worked up about it. Cause I'm like, well, we, we just got an hour to converse and, and mm -hmm. to, to engage with each other. And so, yeah, finding that balance between, you know, hey, we've got to come in and accomplish something, but also, you know, I, I'd like to hear your voice. I'd like to, you know, know what you're thinking. What did you do yeah. Um, today? So, yeah, that is, um, it, it's good to hear a professional say that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like there, there should be more license to, especially in this world where, you know, so many people are working from home or working remote that, you know, it's okay to just get on the phone yeah. and engage sometimes. Um, and that's different for everybody too, because you have people that like, I'm more of a drive for results type of person. So I get really impatient when meetings start to feel like, okay, why are we here? Why does this matter? Why should I be here? But some people, uh, people have a higher tolerance for that too. So again, it's very team dependent. I mean, we're talking a lot about meetings because that is, I mean, MK metrics talks a lot about meetings, but a lot of it again has to do with communication. So it's what's being said in those meetings. It's not just the meeting itself. It's what's yeah. being said. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So if you're, if we're going to go kind of maybe outside the meeting, what, what's, you know, people always talk about there being too many meetings. Have you yeah. ever seen what, what's the kind of pitfalls from not having enough meetings um, or not having enough communication, would you say? Oh, well, lack of clarity, number one, but also lack of contribution, which is this, the trickier one, because when there's not enough meetings, a lot of times what has happened is somebody, a team specific, or it could be company-wide, but it's, I usually see it in teams. Certain types of teams tend to have fewer meetings because the work that they do necessitates a lot of individual work or group work behind the scenes. Product development is one for sure. And they need time to develop the product and produce everything. And so there's a lot less meetings, but then what tends to happen is you've got that, uh, for example, like that disgruntled team member who doesn't feel like they had a say in the product that they're responsible for helping develop. Right. And so that can also be the cost of not having the right cadence of meetings leading up to decision-making that people didn't feel like they had a voice. And so people handle that differently. Some people just don't say anything. Some people message independently their manager. Some people, you know, 
it, it depends on the person and, and that's not always what you want either. Yeah. So how do you coach that communication that, that's outside the meeting, you know, in terms of setting up the meeting or, you know, making sure the right things get done before so that the meeting is effective? Like, what does that kind of communication skill and training look like? It's asking for, and it's not telling, it's, it's asking for contribution again. So there are milestones in a meeting let's say, where imagine the meeting is 60 minutes long. Engagement is usually highest at the start of the meeting, and then it wanes as the meeting goes on. We've all, we've all been there. And if it doesn't continue to engage you in some way, actively or passively, you are tapped out. You're multitasking in the background. You don't feel emotionally connected, whatever it is. So there has to be this like a wave if i could draw an image it would be like a wave and the top of the crest is the highest level of engagement that comes from some change so change in speaker change in screen share to not screen share change in i'm asking a question of the entire group and everybody's answering either coming off mute and answering or heading to the chat box and answering and so you've got to create that and we're not very good at that yeah. as meeting hosts that's really interesting. I love that like required engagement or change of pace. Cause that is, um, yeah. I, just thinking visually about how to, how to draw people out. Um, I think, yeah, that's really, it's really practical and tangible, um, in, in, in terms of, of keeping the whole team engaged. Cause that is so important. Cause that's one of the things that I've seen is you'll have kind of going back to the, the start of this, where you'll have somebody who's a huge asset, um, but they're, they, they're kind of checked out from the beginning, not necessarily mentally, they may be, you know, super engaged mentally and mm -hmm. be following along, but from a, from a feedback and an input perspective, um, you lose that, that uh, mind. And so um, having some systematic, whether it's change of speaker or, you know, question for everybody, <laughs> you know, no free right. pass, then sometimes you're able to draw out those, those other um, voices that you wouldn't have otherwise. I think that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And my, I mean, my lens is always that that is the meeting host's job. That's the mm -hmm. leader's job. A lot of time it's, and this is a disqualifier for me sometimes with clients is if they really truly believe that it's that person's job, it comes up rarely, but it does come up, then it's not a good fit yeah. because it's really not their job. You have to make it safe. You have to ask winnable questions that people can contribute to. And that's leadership to me what's kind of the biggest misconception about virtual meetings and, and where should people be starting when they're thinking about doing a virtual meeting? Uh, well, I think the biggest misconception, although it's not a surprise necessarily, is that people are paying attention at all. Mm. I think we all know that people are multitasking even more so in a virtual setting, but I don't, I think the misconception is that, well, number one, the misconception is that that's bad or wrong, but also like why it's actually happening. Mm. And one of the reasons that virtual is so challenging is because it's noisier. So it's more tempting to multitask. The reason people multitask is because they're not being engaged appropriately in the meeting directly. And so, of course, they have full permission because their time is being used to do what they want with their time. And yeah. it's exhausting because they're getting hit up with emails, notifications on their computer. Virtual is tricky because more than like 80% of communication, and people know this at this point, body language and tone. It's not words, it's not content. 
And so it's harder to read body language in a virtual setting, those micro expressions. It's harder to hear, hear tone of voice because people think they're using modulation and they're really not. And, you know, and then people have the option to go off camera. So the whole thing goes kaput. It's really tricky. You know, it's not all bad. I don't mean to poo-poo sort of virtual meetings, but it's tricky. Yeah. It's hard to do well. So, yeah. So with that in mind, is there, is there kind of just a, another set of rules or do you just, is it more about taking what works in a, in, in a in-person world and just being more consistent um, about making sure you're doing that in, in virtual? It's both because a lot of times people will say to me, oh, but you can't do that virtually. And I'm like, really? You can't? Oh, I can't, I can't ask questions virtually. Why not? Hmm. Do you have to do it differently? Yes. But can you do it? Absolutely. Oh, you know, what's the point of me using gestures virtually? People can't see me. Yes, but they can hear the change in your voice mm. and it keeps you more energized. It's really easy to just sit in your chair and speak like this and let your voice kind of go away and you can't see anybody. So you forget that you're even talking to anybody at all. And like, nobody wants to listen to that. That's horrible. Right. And so again, they start multitasking in the background because they need to keep themselves busy. They need to stay energized. Their brain doesn't want to function unless it's doing something. And so- it's both, it, you know, and it's keeping meetings shorter, I think for sure. That, that is more of a rule of thumb of virtual. You've got to keep it shorter. Yeah. You've got to be tighter and faster. Yeah. So do you do, um, do you recommend a lot of kind of calling on people individually or, cause I, I one thing that I think about, you know, I, I teach, I've, I've taught like, um, you know, like Sunday school and stuff with like <clears throat> younger kids. And one thing I do, which is, I don't know, maybe this is a bad tactic, but when you have somebody that's not paying attention, you call them out with a question and enforce participation. And, yeah. and so, and it, I mean, it, again, maybe that's a bad tactic. All the, all the actual teachers out there, maybe um, feel free to, uh, to um, uh, hate on me for that, but, but it works. It engages the person and gets them to stop mm -hmm. doing what, whatever distracting thing they're doing. So I don't know, but, but, in, but at the same time, there's, there can be, you know, if you're not careful, kind of a shame element there, which is obviously right. what, what you can get away with, with, you know, a, a five-year-old or an eight-year-old, you, you can't get away with that with, you know, yeah. um, grown adults. So I, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to be shamed in, you know, no. kind of their, their peers and, and you don't want to do that. That's the wrong motivation. So I don't know. Does that, how does that dynamic play with? with yeah, that? I mean, that is a real tactic, but it's a higher level escalation. It's a higher level intervention, you could say. I would argue you can't get away with that with a five to seven year old because they're still going to feel the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it's, this is, it's funny because what you bring up is exactly what I'm untraining people to do because it's what we were unconsciously trained from school yeah. to do. Yeah. And so we default to the thing that was done to us. So in the virtual setting, it's it's a little different than in person. For example, in person, the escalation could be as you're talking, walking closer to the person that's multitasking or that's not paying attention. Just by you getting closer to them physically, they are most likely going to stop what they're doing. You won't even have to directly call them out. Mm. Making yeah. eye contact, yeah. that's easy. And then, of course, calling on them, but doing it in a way that instead of it being a punishment for them not having paid attention, it's more of an invitation to come back. So for example, you, and this is one thing that's a big behavior change. It's warning them that you're coming to them. So if I see that, you know, Kaysen's not paying attention instead of me going, well, Kaysen, what do you think? And now it's exactly what you said. It's putting him on the spot. He's not prepared to answer. It's saying in a moment, I'd really like to hear from the group. Kaysen, I'll start with you. And then we'll come to Malcolm and then Mickey can share. So Kaysen gets a little bit of warning. He hears his name. 
he's more likely to tune back in. And then I, I frame the question or rephrase the question so that he has time to actually prepare his answer, yeah. which is much kinder. I love that. And then he's going to stick with me for a couple minutes. And then just like it's natural, it's normal. We all do it. He's going to multitask. He's going to get to show, oh, what am I meant to pick up on my way home from work today? Like, of course, we all do this, but you've got to be good at getting the group back, getting, yeah. Yeah. You get the well, point. Well, and, and no, I love that. And that's such a, it is, I think kindness is, is so important. And that's, um, it's such a, uh, that fe- I just feel the warmth of that so mm-hmm. much more. And, and then they're, you know, they're prepared. And then the, you have the chance because it's like, you know, people on my team, I want them to feel like rock stars. I want them to feel like yeah. heroes. Like they have insight that I don't have. Like I need that from them. And I want them to feel um, that the fact that, you know, they they are valued they are needed because they are not it's it's nothing you know artificial it's it's right. completely um a recognition of, of talent um but actually drawing that out like you said you can actually kind of um you can do the opposite you can make people feel punished rather than than called out and one thing that you said you know you, you lose them as you go one thing that i love to do is is be um be cognizant of, of calling out previous ideas later on in the conversation mm, That's right. Um, and honoring, you know, where, where did this idea that we're all talking about come from, you know, kind of calling out, you know, who came up with it and giving that recognition um, is really important. I think when, when, when I like to talk to people, but, but I love that. Um, yeah. The preparation that's, that's really neat. How, so how do you, um, do you recommend either, you know, uh, actual responses on on camera or do you do a lot with chat i mean do you see kind of one benefit benefiting one over the other does it, you know yeah i think it's i think it's both because the chat the, what's nice about the chat is people can see and read which is nice from a learning style it also documents differently than if you're just having everybody go around and share but they're both important because the longer the longer someone sits and doesn't contribute the harder it is for them to contribute later on it's easier to check out. And so getting them to come off mute is a little bit of work. It's, again, it's energizing, it's change, it's something different. They have to come back to their Zoom screen if they've got their email covering their Zoom screen, like you're getting them back. They share and then they can go back on mute, whatever they need to do. But I think I think using both, they serve slightly different purposes. Yeah, how do you, uh, how do you deal with you know, you mentioned noise. <laughs> How do you deal with like background noise and the fact that, you know, people are at home and there's, you know, dogs barking and kids and traffic and stuff, you know, and I know a lot of that's been more accepted, but, you know, I know I've seen either with myself or with others that can be a motivation for being on mute is, you know, I sure. don't want to be distracting. Um, you recommend, you know, if, if it, if somebody seems like there's, there's, you know, background noise, like how do you engage that person without, you know, making it uncomfortable for them to, you know, basically let their household noise into, uh, into the, the meeting? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's the leader's job, right? So at the start of the meeting, it's best practice to stay on mute unless you're speaking. But at the start of the meeting, again, warning and saying, hey, to kick us off, I want to go around. I want to, I would love to hear in a sentence or less, what was your favorite thing from the weekend? Mm. it's a sentence anybody can come off mute yes and you always want to get that that's another big behavior change you always want to give a winnable question so favorite thing from the weekend everybody can answer that Mm. that's what I mean when I say winnable and then contain it two words half a sentence you're still gonna have people that answer in more than two words or in more than half a sentence but it's gonna be a lot shorter 
than it would have been if you said, you know, everybody just tell, tell us a little bit about your weekend. Cause that's the fear. People come to me and right. they say, Oh, but Mickey, that's such a time suck. And I say, no, it's not, not if it's done well, but you've got to contain it. And you've got to, again, you've got to ask a question that's relevant. So again, for example, you could say, what is your, what's the one thing that you're most excited about, about this project? And what's, what's your biggest fear? One and one, that's it. That's all you get and be willing to cut them off. So I think with the muting and the background noise, again, to go back, it's contain it, put them back on mute, and then not being afraid to say, hey, you know, Sally, it sounds like there's a bit of background noise. You want to put yourself on mute? So you give them the option. You're asking them. Of course, they're going to put themselves on mute. And also as the host, you have permission to put them on mute. So right. just using all of those to your benefit. Yeah. Are there specific tools that you've kind of seen develop? Obviously, we've got Zoom, you know, it's kind of ubiquitous yeah. now, but are there tools within Zoom or within Google Meets that people should be using more? You mentioned yeah. um, muting, are, you know, are there things that you recommend people <laughs> taking more advantage of? Yeah, there's actually, I forget when this was released. It was relatively recently, but if you go into your settings on Zoom, now in the audio section of the you, settings you can turn yourself into a, a cat <laughs> you can i have a lot of thoughts on that as well the suppress background noise there's an option to suppress oh, background wow. noise and it's auto low medium and high and it even tells you what types of noises by example that it's going to suppress That's so funny. there's that there's by i mean the the thing is like we know this isn't going away anytime soon this virtual system is not going away so you might as well set yourself up for success buy a better headset invest in a better camera. You're talking about 150 bucks to make your life easier. Mm. Change the settings and figure out which platform works for you and your team. I am, I, Microsoft is one of my clients. I don't work with them frequently, but I cannot stand Teams. I hate it. I hate it so it's much. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> it's bad. And so figure out, figure out which platform you want to use to optimize the purpose that you're coming together for, you know, whether it's Skype, whether it's Google Meet, whether it's, it doesn't matter, but yeah. If you could, if you could snap your fingers and, and create one tool that, that doesn't exist or one functionality, what, what, what would it be? For the virtual mm -hmm. system? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Like, what do you think is the biggest, and maybe this is, I'll give you the thought behind it. The, the biggest thing that hasn't translated into virtual from, from in person oh. that you feel like is missing that, that we can. Ta tactileness. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is like Tony Stark stuff. Like somebody, <laughs> if we could have, if we could have something, it would be that the tactileness. So getting to a place, there's a lot of plugins and widgets, I'm sure to get you, you know, you're in your zoom meeting and you're also able to collaboratively work in a document or, but the, can we not just find a way to get, like I can write and you can write at the same mm. time or sticky notes. That's the thing that I love about design thinking. It's really tactile. So you and I would be standing in a room moving bits of paper around and there's something really magical about that when it comes to creativity. And again, another rabbit hole over just going down, but we don't have that in the virtual world. Mm. Somebody's gotta be able to create that. Yes, okay, research project. <laughs> right. No, that's really interesting though. Cause I, yeah, I, I think I'm a big whiteboard um, yes. user. And if I can't get up and just write it down, um, it's, it's, it's really, are, so are there any tools that you use kind of in the, in the, 
the interim that until Tony Stark gets around to, to developing <laughs> your, your, your tactile, that, that kind of uh, helped bridge that gap a little bit. I'm also really proud of myself that I was able to work in like an Avengers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Love it. Weird, I geek out on that. That's like a weird, like things you don't need to know about me. Uh, <laughs> but I love Marvel. So no, the short answer is no, because I like to, I tend right now to keep my virtual meetings and workshops really simple because usually they're really loud. People are used to PowerPoints and they're used to, let's all go to this Google doc and type together. And so what I'm giving them is a break from that. And I'm showing them what can happen and be really powerful when it's just me and you on camera with a chat box. Mm. Look at what we can do. Yeah. So no, <laughs> sure. I do. I do like the polls. I do like surveys. Those are fun sometimes for certain trainings. If I have people for a series of trainings at some point, you're probably going to see a poll either within zoom yeah. or survey tools like Kahoot. You can use Kahoot actually for surveys, not just games. That's a fun one, but no, keep it simple. You yeah. don't need all that noise and busyness. We have enough of it. No, and that's where, um, you know, one thing you, you mentioned earlier is the, the engagement. So trying to do whatever possible to increase engagement, reduce noise. Um, I, I think that, that um, if you take that framework, uh, I really like that approach to meeting simplicity. Because, um, yeah, there is already, you have enough, you know, headphone issues and camera issues and streaming issues. So and yes. the, the simpler you can make things, the better. You know, and, and we talked about kind of getting more input from, from quiet speakers. Are, are there any other kind of easily correctable meeting best practices that you see small teams or small businesses uh, making? Yeah, contribution's a big one for sure. Length comes up a lot. The agenda, which we spoke a little bit about. Summaries, recaps come up a lot. So a a better way to capture the next steps and the commitments, right? Because the easy thing to do is say, okay, so everybody go out and uh, yeah, just do that thing that we said yeah. you were going to do. And then people, they go back and they go, wait, what was I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And their life gets busy. Their emails are coming in and they don't go at the task right away. And so it's harder for them to get back to it. So figuring out ways in the room before they leave to take uh, micro steps or what I call in sales, it's micro commitments. I'll give you a, an example back from a long, long time ago, but I worked for Lululemon in New York. I was one of the training managers in that district. And we would have meetings, quarterly meetings, if not monthly meetings, where we would all be in the room together, you know, seven to 10 of us, depending on what the meeting was for. And at the end of the meeting, it was always the same, like, okay, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your ideas. Email me, text me, call me, set up a sweat date. That's a big thing at Lululemon. Like, let's go work out <laughs> together. And out of about 10 store managers, maybe one would email, call, text me, or set up a sweat date. And one out of 10 is not good enough. And so my manager said to me one day, Mickey, you have them in the room. Why would you not just get the idea now? Why would you not right. just get the strategy for hiring for holiday now? They're there. Set aside five minutes and have them write it down on a sticky note or have them email you right now. Who doesn't have their phone on them to just pull up the email? Right. So that's another one. Get the commitment in the room. No, that's really helpful. Yeah. I think the, what happens, what I've seen is everyone. So because you let the meeting go too long, everyone's just ready to be done. Bye. <laughs> yeah. um, so no, that's, that's really helpful. Take, take a couple minutes and, and, and get the action items. Um, 
who who do you, do you usually assign a you know a scribe or a follow up or is that kind of part of what that last bit is supposed to to do where everyone basically scribes their own kind of action items before they yeah I, I think it again it depends on the meeting but giving someone a job is always really nice because you know their level of engagement the entire meeting is going to be a bit higher but again you have to do it in a way that is purposeful yeah. so and and again rabbit hole to avoid but important rabbit hole, but not one we have time for today. That job tends to get put on the wrong person. Mm. So a lot of times I see it put on the female in the room and people don't realize that unconsciously it's happening or it gets put on the most junior person too. Mm. And that's not right. A lot of times that job belongs with the most senior person. Yeah. No, that's because really they're important. the, they're the one tempted to tune out because they think it's the least important part of their job. Yeah. But if they, hey, you know, by the end of this meeting, Malcolm, I would love for you to summarize what you've heard and maybe give us three next steps. That's a really good job for the team lead or the CEO. Yeah. Because now you know you've got them the whole meeting. Yeah. It's <laughs> they sneaky. have to pay attention. It's no. sneaky stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Mickey, thank you so much. This has been super, super interesting and, and makes me want to do uh, I, I, another one at some point with a deep dive. We, I want to pick sure. like, a meeting type and just go all the way to the basement from the, from the yeah. attic. But, but it, there's so much there. This has been really helpful just for, for me, but I think for, for anyone watching that is leading a team or leading a company, um, this is one of those things I feel like is, is low-hanging fruit, but it's just missed so often. So if, if people want to get in touch with you, um, if they, if they want to hire you or, or follow along, um, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, just email. So email or through the website, there's a contact form, of course, but my email is mk at mkmetrics. It's really obvious. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Mickey. I appreciate you being on the show today. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Invest Local Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. And don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories.